hear me. Скажи мне, американец, в чем сила? А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня дает добро. И вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? Вот кто я? Отныне русские земля единый быть. Hi, my name's Ali, and this is the Rus Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest, and today my guest is Ed, but not as always. Ed is joining us from Moscow, so that's pretty cool. Hi, Ed. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Ali. Thanks very much for asking me on. Uh, I'm a I'm a teacher here in uh, in Moscow, and uh, I'm uh, now a senior teacher, a senior assistant director of studies at a language school, a private language school here in Moscow. And I used to work with Ali. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, for a little while, you were actually my boss. So that's. Uh... <laughs> Yes, and, and and don't you forget it, Ali. Don't you forget it. Yes, yes I've not forgotten. Still, uh, you know, nearly five <laughs> years later. Um, so um, you were already in Moscow when when I got there back in two thousand and nine. But uh, remind me, how long have you been there now? Well, uh, I was here. I've been here sort of permanently since beginning of two thousand and six. So that is about twelve, twelve and a half years actually. But it's not that wasn't the first time I ever came. But yeah, twelve and a half years. Yes, uh, working here. Uh, as a teacher. Um, and before that, um, I was here um, in 2001, the first time uh, doing a research project back when I was working as a chemist. That was at the university. And I met my partner then, and uh, we've been together ever since. And I, I moved here permanently in 2006. Ah, so it was, it was the meeting your partner was the 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 catalyst for you uh coming there absolutely yes yes i'm probably misusing the word catalyst uh terribly <laughs> there but uh, oh, no, no, that's no, what happens when you have no. a humanities person talking to a scientist so <laughs> uh well yes my, my my chemistry is is extremely rusty i'm afraid but yes uh, yes i think catalyst is the right word okay um the uh yeah i did i did did the training course here and then and then when i was just finishing my phd i i uh came over here for good well for the for the for the foreseeable future, yes. Yeah, yes. And at twelve year twelve years and counting, that's the, that's quite a, mm-hmm. that's quite a stretch. So um, I know these are all these things are sometimes quite difficult to to measure. But in that time, how has has Moscow changed as a place, or is the change even particularly uh, perceptible? Because you know, when you're there all the time, it's it's so incremental. Sometimes it can be hard to notice. Well, um, some some obvious changes have happened. Um, uh, the real, the really very obvious change is the amount of traffic. I mean, the first time I was here, there there was there 
of course, of course, lots of people drove, but not everybody drove, and so that the traffic really wasn't so unbelievably bad as it as it can be now. Um, there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of more sort of Western style shops around. Um, when I was first in Moscow, I heard people tell me that they went to a, a market um, full of traders from India, uh, that, and then, then they uh, to buy a refrigerator, and they would take a little trolley on the metro and bring their refrigerator home. Um, whereas now, of course, there are just electrical showrooms for all those things. Um, when I was first here, there were lots and lots of markets. There were a few supermarkets, but mostly, you know, street markets and places like that where people would buy food. But now they've all been taken away. So that's not there. Lots of casinos before as well, uh, which struck me, but they've now been outlawed in Moscow. So uh, you can't see any casinos anywhere anymore. Whenever I, I've never been to Las Vegas, but whenever I've seen Las Vegas on TV, uh, I think that looks exactly like the uh, Nove Arbat. This huge, uh, this huge road um, used to look doesn't look like that anymore because all the casinos are gone and all of the the gaudy lights are gone now. It, it looks just a lot, uh, a lot less vulgar than it used to, I suppose. Mm. Um, Although, at least when I was there, it's it, it did have an awful lot of tourist and kind of quite kitschy souvenir shops and you know where you could get really ridiculously overpriced matryoshki like russian dolls so and things like that yeah i think there's still quite a lot of that um some of those markets where they used to sell them are still open but you know even on um even on tverskaya street which is that huge well shopping street in, in the middle of moscow there's a uh, supermarket but in the uh, in the windows it's advertising all the as exactly as you say all the overpriced souvenirs and all that thing i mean it's still there hmm. i don't go to the old arabat very much but that's where all the tourists go and uh, that's still full of all the all the stuff it was full of before you know um Yes, kiosks and all those things. Yeah, sorry, I was. I, I think I was conflating Norvi and Stari, mm. new and old Arbat. Mm. And yes, old Arbat is is the more pedestrianised, yeah, one with the touristy bits. And then the new one, which is roughly parallel, is is much more of a like a a regular big. Well, not motorway, but you know, big multiple lane. Uh, Absolutely, road. yeah. Uh, but it, it always used to remind me of Las Vegas, as I say. It really did. It used, used to have all the flashing lights and, mm. and the casinos and all those things, and, and that's all kind of gone now. Hmm. Uh, just just in the past, just in the past couple of years, actually, they've been modernising certain bits and pieces. Uh, I think in 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 aid of the uh, of the football tournament. Um, lots of the metro has been anglicised now, so that so there's plenty of signs in English now in the metro and on the street that weren't there even just three years ago. Um, it's quite funny that all of the uh, all of the announcements now of of the station names are now bilingual, Russian and then English, oh. with this very very strange English English pronunciation of all <laughs> of the uh, all of the Russian names. Very odd. Not really very helpful to uh, people trying to decode them. I think in no. uh, who can't speak Russian because they're so so eccentric <laughs> the pronunciations. But yes, yeah, that's a big change because they didn't have that at all. I mean, if you looked very hard at the maps that they would stick on the side of the at the inside of the metro carriages, you could see mm-hmm. in fainter writing underneath the Cyrillic names of the stations, you uh-huh. could see you could see the anglicised versions. But that didn't particularly help you because once you actually got into the stop, if you looked out of the window, all you could see uh-huh. was the the Cyrillic version. So if you if you couldn't read that, <laughs> you were a bit stuffed. I mean, that was the one major bit of advice I would give to anyone going to going to moscow was 
at least familiarize yourself with roughly how to read the Cyrillic alphabet, which isn't as hard as people assume that learning an alphabet is going to be. But, but yeah, yes, it is, it is a considerable obstacle. So it's interesting to know that that's changed. The other thing I hear is that all of the, you know, not entirely legally there uh, little uh, stalls and stands in the the pericordi, the um, the mm-hmm. underpasses, have now been ripped out, which that is very weird to me, as they were such a feature of what the place was like. Yeah, that's true. When when I was first in 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 Moscow, and up until just a few years ago, yes, probably probably uh, up until more or less the time when when you you left, uh, they did have a lot of these stalls everywhere, um, but they ripped lots of them out because they were of a dubious legal standing and they 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 are actually putting some new ones in some new slightly posher ones into some of these uh, underpasses and places like that they are putting some new ones in but very very slowly and i fear a lot of people will have lost their livelihoods because of it uh, because of this move yeah basically they because people didn't have planning permission but were just kind of allowed to get on with it for mm-hmm. many years it was sort of yeah, yeah tacitly it was tacitly okay maybe they should have been some kind of process for legalizing things but yeah so that, that doesn't, in, doesn't interest the people making the making the decisions i fear yes no i suspect that, that, that not kind of thing. um mm-hmm. but yes we're, we're straying into very political waters now so um, uh well yes yes be careful we don't know who, who might be listening yes <laughs> I, I, indeed indeed the the joke that i would constantly make when i was living there um yeah so on a more positive note um what oh. are your favorite things about living i would say in russia but in Moscow specifically? Well, I, I grew up in the countryside. Now, of course, that brings lots of uh, benefits, but one big, big, big disadvantage is it's very isolating, especially when you can't drive, and I still can't drive, even even at uh, my, my great age. Um, the uh, the transport is really great, and I know that's a rather boring, uh, a rather boring uh, way of describing it, but the, the metro really is a very, very convenient, well-priced, and very interesting way to travel around, I find. Um, so th- th- that's one thing. Not not such an exciting thing, perhaps, but it is one thing. Um, some really nice uh, parks around the city, which I like. I like to go go around. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, lots of cultural things. Um, I don't go to the theatre as often as I'd like to, but when I have, it's invariably been a, a very interesting experience. Um, some uh, of the I tend to go to the sort of musical things like uh, operas and ballets, and they they tend to be very very interesting. Some of the some of the ones which are the old productions that haven't really changed very much since they started. We saw a production of Swan Lake, which was basically the same the same production as as the original, and then you see some some new stuff. We saw a, a relatively new production of Carmen, the opera that that was really hmm. very interesting. Um, in summer, it's I find it really a very nice place, even when it's very hot. You get these long, long days. You can get so much done, and and you know, full of energy. Uh, it's the winter that can can do for you a little bit. But uh, yes, so th- those are some of the things I think that, that that I I enjoy here. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a lot of overlap with with things that I liked uh, about my my time there. And of course, as far as the uh, not getting out to see plays and things it is sort of the bane of your of one's existence as an english teacher teaching classes in the evenings that's when the plays are on so of course you yes, don't get to yes. see those uh, the place i lived for the first two years in, in moscow down in uh uh Zapadnaya, the southwest of the of the city i walked mm-hmm. past a, a local 
theatre on my way home every day. So I'd always see like, oh, they have this going on. You know, it would be Chekhov <laughs> and adaptations of Shakespeare. And I'd be, I was kind of like, my Russian isn't really good enough to enjoy those yet. But it'd be nice right. to go, except I'm working, so I won't be. Never mind. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Well, there is that. But uh, um, such is life. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. Um, but moving from the stage to the screen, um, uh-huh. the film we're watching today uh, is uh, Bele Sansa Pustini, uh, the, mm-hmm. the White Son of the Desert, which is kind uh-huh. of a classic uh, Soviet uh, film from 1969, uh, directed by uh, Vladimir Motil. This is one you've not seen yet, is that right? That's right. I'm, I've only very vaguely heard about it. When we, when we were discussing which uh, film we might like to see, um, I, I do find Soviet films interesting. I haven't really watched as many as I probably should have done, but I do find just something that's made in a different time, in almost a different society, um, just a, a very interesting uh, interesting thing to uh, experience, especially if it tells you something about the time it was made in. Mm. Um, I haven't heard very much about it, but it seems to be pitched as a sort of a, a Western, but a, a Soviet Western, not set in the Wild West, but set in the... Uh, the desert area of uh, the Soviet Union, and I, I understand that people call those Easterns, but I but I haven't really heard much about it. So I'm very much looking forward to finding out about it. Yes, yeah, I've seen a couple of different terms thrown around. Like uh, some people call it a Red Western. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen it called like an, an Eastern, as you say, or or an Ostern, as in. Ost, as in the Ger- the German uh-huh. word for for east. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of supposed to be having similar elements to to Western, but as uh, but usually transposed, as you say, to a, a, a Soviet setting. And and this one, mm-hmm. as I understand, is set during the the, the civil war between between the Reds and and the Whites um, mm-hmm. in uh, the late nineteen uh, teens, early nineteen. 19- 20s so and apparently that's quite a typical setting for for this genre of film um i must say because it's set in central asia and it's it was made you know nearly 50 years ago i'm a mm-hmm. bit concerned about how it might handle sort of inter-ethnic and intercultural stuff like it could be a bit racist or patronizing or you I've, know i've seen i've seen the film kafkaska Plenitsa, which is this comedy film um, which is set in the the Caucasus, um, and yes, the prisoner of the Caucasus. Yes, it's um, uh, well, prisoner of the Caucasus. That's the that's the serious film. This is the comedy. Yes. So I th- I, it's often translated as a kidnapping Caucasian style. I yes, think. Yes, that's, that's which, right. Which yes, loses loses some of the joke. I think of it mm. being the the female prisoner of the Caucasus, whereas right. the the original uh, the original story was the the male prisoner of the Caucasus. But anyway, yeah. um, and that kind of avoided the racism that it might be accused of um, by making it so general that anybody who might take offence thought it was making fun of other people. Oh, <laughs> okay. I understand. Right. Because it, it never said that this person was from, let's say, I don't know, Armenia or Georgia or something. So anybody from Armenia would assume it was making fun of, of everyone else and everyone from Georgia would assume it was making fun of everyone else as well. So okay. it was kind of so generalised. Well, we, we shall we shall see. There, there was some very... Uh, some very odd things that I'm sure you wouldn't see in a in a modern Western film, but uh, 
I'm sure you would see in something like a Carry On film in that in in that in of that similar vintage. Oh um, goodness! You know, yes. that, so um, uh, it, it actually reminds me a bit of a Carry On spying or Carry On up the Kyber. That's the, that's this other film. Yes. Now I, I'm I'm very interested to see what what tone this film adopts. I really haven't seen well i haven't seen any westerns i think if 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 i'm very honest so if, if it's copying i don't know if it will be copying the sort of old old american westerns or possibly the italian style westerns i don't know which mm. i believe have a rather different tone or from what little i've read it sounds like it might have a slightly ironic tone to it i don't know yes yeah i think i've heard it has it has sort of a a jokey tone and i i've also heard that that quite a lot of phrases from the film have just kind of passed into the everyday Russian lexicon. Like, there are just these cliches uh-huh. and things that people say that originally came from here and that people will just say them at opportune moments. But uh, mm-hmm. but yes, we'll, uh, I guess it'll be interesting once we've watched it to see whether there's any... any uh, lines where you go oh yeah people say that a lot and now i know it's from this <laughs> so yeah yeah that, i have to look out for it certainly yes all right so we should uh probably get on and watch the film uh-huh but before we do that we'll say what we always uh say on this show which is uh, a word of russian that yuri gagarin said as he was blasting off to become the first man in space now there's actually a cosmonaut-related fact about this film um, that you were telling me just as just before we came on on air, as it were, Ed. Yes, it turns out that um, there was a, a disaster where three cosmonauts died. Um, I've got to get the numbers wrong, but I think it was Sawyer's number eleven where that happened. I may have got it wrong, but um, after that, they started um, for good luck watching this film that's cosmonauts when they go up in their soyuz soyuz rockets um they start they they watch this film every time before they take off um and every time since that uh disaster they treat it as a kind of a a talisman shall we say because uh no no russian cosmonauts touch wood um have uh have perished since that uh single disaster back then so they always watch it every time before they take off Wow, so let's hope it's a it's a good film then, because if you have to, if you feel like you have to watch it every time before you blast <laughs> off, you hope that it's something decent. I mean, maybe it's just such a good film that they that they want to, you know, a pretext to keep watching it. I don't know. Well, let's hope so. Yes, let's okay. hope so. So that word of Russian then is Payeli. And welcome back. Uh, we've just watched The White Sun of the Desert. And before we discuss what we thought of the film, Ed is going to give us a quick summary of the plot. This is the point where we say, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the film and don't want to know 
uh, how it ends. Look away or listen away now. Okay, so that alert out the way. Over to you, Ed. Right. So yeah, it was um, it was a very interesting film, I have to say. I, I, uh, so let's uh, let's think. It, <clears throat> well, it, it concerns uh, this um, member of the Red Army called Sukhov, and he's totally unflappable. And this is this is his uh, this is his character. Nothing can nothing can ruffle him. He's always totally in control. Um, he's the hero. He's our hero for, for for this. And in fact, before we even start, it starts with a uh, a daydream, and um, he's he does this quite a lot throughout the film. This daydream where he's imagining back somewhere in the western part of Russia. We're not quite sure where. Yeah, I think he briefly mentions somewhere near Samara, but I may have totally got that wrong. So. Of a very, you know, uh, wooded area with fields and, and, and that, that kind of thing. You know, really nice countryside. He's imagining it. it there's his wife. And he is um, imagining his wife. Quite, quite a lot of the time, he's, uh, he's writing to his wife in this very um, high-blown and flowery style. And uh, anyway, he, he's imagining that. But then suddenly we cut away from, from this uh, image of his wife back to the central Asian desert where where of course this tale takes place he's been he's been invalided out of the uh as i, as I understand he, he was invalided out of the army uh in the uh in asia and um on the uh on the banks of the caspian as i understand it and now he's walking home by himself i find this this situation rather unlikely but uh but i don't know it's not the first time i've seen this in a soviet film where somebody's basically walking home across a desert <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I think what did I see? Uh Wedding in Malinovka, which was a musical and and there's some some guys just walk up uh just having come back from the uh Civil War as far as I'm aware. It's the same 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 sort of time. Yes, um, it's important to mention the setting. So this is it's uh early 20s, I suppose. Yeah, it's either at the very tail end of uh, of the war between between the whites and the reds or it's just finished. It's just wrapped up. Um Yeah, I I think I think it's whether the whether the hot hot part of the war is still going on, I don't know. But obviously, there are pockets of resistance still, and that's kind of what part of what this is about. But so he's tramping through the desert, and what does he find? He finds he finds the guy buried, doesn't he? First, he, he, he finds a head. Yes, he finds a head, and the head belongs to uh, this local, this uh, Central Asian guy. He's a, he's a Turkman, I suppose. And uh, his name's Said, and he's been buried there as sort of punishment for. Uh, not punishment, but but by his enemy, Javdet, I think was his name, wasn't mm-hmm. it? The, the enemy, um, and our our hero sort of rescues him, and um, then they come across a sort of skirmish, don't they? With the Red Army skirmishing with with some ba- uh, Basmachi rebels. Uh, was, was that, is that how we could describe them? Bas Basmachi uh, brigands. Yeah, like rebels slash bandits. Yeah, brigands is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. Now I had to look up what the Basmachi were. I really, my knowledge of the Civil War is pretty slip, pretty thin. But um, as far as I understand, that they were um, people who objected very much to the Russian Empire being there in the first place because the Russian Empire had tried to modernize their agriculture, which meant a load of the peasants had lost all their land and they were now either working or even worse, not working on on huge Russian farms. And they definitely thought that the uh, the Soviet Union was a kind of continuation of the Russian Empire, really. Uh, so it, it wasn't representing them, the proletariat, the, the local proletariat. It was just representing the Russians who were still in charge and should be rebelled against. And these people were landless uh, and 
possibly jobless and all, all of those things. So they had they they had given themselves a reason to uh, to be against these people. They're portrayed in the film as as bandits, of course, and uh, so they're having this skirmish, and then they're told. Um, then Sukhov is told uh, that he has to look after all of the wives of this particular bandit lord, I suppose, um, called Abdullah. Um, and so he starts looking after these women, and they are wearing burqas most of the time. You can't see their faces. Um, they are still very much uh, part of this old-style society where the, where the husband uh, is in charge of a, of a group of wives, and they have to do everything he says. Yeah, intensely, intensely patriarchal, and they make mm-hmm. a big deal about the about the burqa thing and not being able to see mm-hmm. uh, uh, to show their faces to yes. a man who isn't uh, uh, their husband slash owner. And uh, one of, to be honest, this was one of the funniest thing I thought, thought in the film that they're 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 in this museum. I think the museum is in in this city called Merv, which is a famous sort of ancient city, um, but it's a museum. And uh, they've labelled the museum with a sign that says something like a uh, uh, female dormitory or something like that, which uh, yes. doesn't sound very doesn't sound very funny in English. But it, but you know these obshajitia, these dormitories were were um, what they labelled things that had been private property, but were now being occupied with uh, lots of people, workers basically. So this was the female obshajitia, and uh, and they they're living there. Um, so he starts. Well, looking after these women. I mean, he's 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 not taking advantage of them in any way. He's looking after them, and he's also been left. Uh, he's been basically commanded to do this by by the by the uh, the people who we met just met, and uh, he's also been left this very young uh, soldier, Pavlik. Is that his name? Um, uh, Petrucha, I thought. Ah, uh, Petrucha. Yes, you're quite right. Yes, 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 Petrucha. Who's Probably like sixteen, seventeen, if if that. He's very baby faced. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a very, very young, young guy, and he's uh, he's doing his best as well to some extent. Although he he falls in love with one of the uh, wives, but it's actually you know a very innocent and straightforward. It's portrayed as um, the wives. I found uh, well, the wives are silent basically, with the exception of one, Gil Gilcha. Gilchatai, who uh, does does get to talk a, a bit. Um, we also meet. Who else do we meet? We meet the customs official, don't we? Who's the only the only Russian guy uh, in this town in modern day Turkmenistan? I think that's right. Yeah, I think there's one other older man who sort of uh, looks after like a local what's been turned into a museum or something and he's he's a much older man uh, but apart from him that's right uh, was he russian i'm not sure was he not was he not uh, i'm not sure anyway but but uh, yeah okay yeah yeah i i thought he was prob- probably russian but i could be wrong but he's there with his wife and um there's this really quite touching relationship i think between him and his wife that their son has died and they have this quite prickly relationship but it becomes very clear that that the reason that they're uh, they're always at each other's throats is because their son's gone, and uh, the 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 wife is uh, complaining. Oh, you you spoiled the you know the best years of my life and all these things. But it's clear that they they absolutely love each other. But but the the pain of this son having disappeared is is uh, is still very raw. I, I don't know how how it happened. I don't don't think it's really painted in. I, I don't know if it was during a, during the war or the revolution or what. But uh, yeah, that, that's uh, really 
quite uh, poignant, I, I find. Even though the character is, he's an alcoholic, um, there's a scene, because he's a, a, a customs official, I mean, he's obviously being paid all sorts of bribes, I imagine, and there's one scene where, where he's he's complaining, um, oh no, not not caviar again, must I eat caviar? And and his, wi- his wife's force-feeding him caviar, this kind of thing, <laughs> black, black caviar. Yes. Yeah, yeah he's just, he says, I just want some bread. Yes, absolutely. Which apparently is hard to come by. But yeah, I I also read into it that he's kind of lost his, um, as well as his son, he's kind of lost his purpose as he was a Tsarist official. And I don't know whether he's still doing work as a a customs officer, but he's still um, operating and living out of the customs building. But he doesn't seem to have very much work to do. And that seems to be kind of contributing to his malaise but that's me just speculating a little bit yeah that, that, that's that's true yeah so the um the husband abdullah comes back again and um has a confrontation really with uh with Sukhov and and uh other people the uh the customs officer does get does get involved in this and uh, so the uh they try to um escape and um there's a this is the bit which reminded me most of a of a western or at least my my kind of uh, image of a western there was a kind of a a shootout um quite a long extended shootout um there are these giant oil tanks um these giant oil containers because of course they're on the banks of the the Caspian where where oil is a, a big a big thing a big industry of course and um they escape with the wives from this uh museum through a secret tunnel but they hide in these oil tanks and 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 the whole the whole battle goes on around that um the uh the customs official because it because he misses his uh son what was his name Petrucha becomes becomes a kind of surrogate son for him to some extent but then um abdullah comes along he's initially imprisoned sorry i missed this bit out he's initially imprisoned and um then he sort of tricks Gulchatai into giving him some water, and then quite unceremoniously, Gulchatai gets murdered, and then uh, Petrucha gets murdered as well straight afterwards. Abdullah having disguised himself initially as Gulchatai in in the burqa, um, and uh, then they have this huge shootout. And uh, towards the beginning of the film, they they booby trapped one of these launches, one of these boats, with some dynamite. Uh, that they found, and the idea being that if Abdullah tried to escape on it, it would explode. But unfortunately, the uh, the customs official, not knowing this, tries to tries to uh, not escape, but tries to help, and drives it along and explodes himself, leaving leaving his wife uh, uh, dis- well, ab- abject um, after this. So all of this happens. Abdullah ends up getting killed, doesn't he? His just desserts. Yep. Yep. Yes, absolutely, and um, m- most of his gang as well, if if not all of the gang. And at the end, Sukhov leaves them behind, and of course, it's not going to be quite the same again. Gulchatai is no longer there, but all the other wives are there. Uh, he leaves them behind and uh, goes trudging off, presumably back to his wife, although there's a, an implication that he's actually maybe never going to get back to his wife because he's just going to get involved in, in more stuff like this. Um, which is all in a day's work for him because he's a, a faithful, reliable Krasnarmiets. Yes, Red Army guy. Yeah, whose duty it is to 
sort out things all over the world, or all over the uh, empire at least, the former empire, the new Soviet Union. Um, so I think we, we've covered the plot there. Uh, anything I've missed out, do you think? <laughs> um, the only thing I would add is that uh, Said, the uh, local who uh, Sukhov rescues at the beginning, shows up at a couple of uh, of important points uh, and lends his uh, his skills with a rifle to uh, to Sukhov's uh, cause. And there's there's a good chance that Sukhov would not have survived without these these timely interventions because they are very very outnumbered. And that's yeah, picking up on on what you said about the Western type thing. I haven't seen a ton of westerns either, but certainly I know that having a kind of standoff or a siege type uh, scenario is is not uncommon or is something that's that features in quite a few westerns and and definitely that bit towards the end uh, did feel very westerny to uh, uh, to me. Um and I really like that you brought up the the point at the end where it seems actually he's probably not heading back despite his you know fairly regular intervals you know between between major action scenes where he is continuing these letters to to his wife we pick up in the final one that it seems like he's always going to find an excuse not to go back despite his uh his professions of how much he wants to be at home. Yes, I mean we keep on cutting away, don't we, to his daydreams and 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 the letters, the letters being read over over the top of those. But yes, you're right. He does. He does. This is his job. This is what what he sees his job, and not and sorting out problems. I think sorting things out. There's a very. I'm, I'm going to have to paraphrase it. I think there's a lot of really quotable lines in here. Mm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, because that's something we mentioned in the in intro is that it has kind of passed into the uh sort of popular russian lexicon if you like but yes uh... this this line at the very end where where he says um something like uh goodbye ladies they translated it in the verse in the subtitles i was watching as goodbye ladies sorry for the inconvenience and of course the inconvenience was all of the battle that went before because he's such a an easygoing guy and he never gets ruffled by anything um i think in in I think I would have probably translated what I heard as something more like, uh, sorry, sorry, it didn't go quite as planned. Sorry, it wasn't quite what we, we hoped, or something like that. But yeah, sorry for the inconvenience probably is a better translation in the end. But uh, mm. yeah, um, very, uh, very droll line, I suppose, and uh, bittersweet perhaps as well. But uh, yeah, I found it was quite poignant because mm-hmm. a couple of times, just when he's moving about the the place he kind of takes a register of the uh of the former harem and just reads out all of their names yes. to check that they've they've all made it and there's a repeated joke where gulchatai who we've mentioned already isn't there because she's she's just kind of off you know kind of in a daydream or or doing something else and it's like oh yeah she's over there right fine yes but by the end she doesn't answer the register not because she's you know in cloud cuckoo land again mm-hmm. but because she's been killed in the action and it's kind of it's sort of oh right yes things things haven't haven't turned out the way we wanted to yeah yeah absolutely i mean the, the whole tone of the film was interesting i mean um i have to have to say I, I i had mixed feelings about it just a little bit but certainly the first half of it i would say i was thinking well this is this is actually a lot a lot more the kind of film I like than I almost expected it to be. Just just the the ironic tone to it. Um, that this this uh, 
counterpoint of what's what's happening with the uh, the heroes totally you know not blasé but but uh, stoic stoic view of it was is is very uh, very well done very well written i think very uh, very uh, funny i found as the people were actually getting killed i started to think perhaps it wasn't wasn't quite so i was feeling uneasy about how the tone how the tone fitted you know when gulchatai just gets uh, beaten to death basically and uh, when Petrucha gets stabbed I'm glad it all I'm kind of glad for my sake it all happens off camera almost I mean the the the, the hor- most horrible stuff you don't see but I I found that the tone are just a bit uncertain I wasn't I wasn't sure whether I was supposed to be enjoying it anymore or whether it had suddenly taken a left turn into something more serious or not I I, I wasn't wasn't quite sure about it I don't know what you thought Um yeah I was I was quite I was quite surprised by that as well I see what you mean about about taking a, a sudden left turn i was just like yeah i mean i guess i should have anticipated that not everyone would make it through just because of sort of the action genre but yeah you're right it had been largely a comical tone up until that point although we are told very early on that abdullah has has committed a massacre in this kind of uh outpost you know as he was on his way out of it when he's been chased out by the by the red army but um but yeah it that was that those two deaths coming one after another and then Vereshagin the customs officer uh, inadvertently blowing himself up at the end was kind of like oh yeah i mean i didn't feel like desperately sad about it but it was yeah those took me by by surprise particularly the the deaths of the of the two sort of young and sort of innocent characters if you like yeah and when the when the ship blows up, I mean, one could imagine a, a situation where that is played for laughs, but it wasn't played for laughs, not at all. Even though it is a quite, you know, almost absurd thing to happen, mm. it wasn't. It it was a, a supposed to be a moment where, and you see the wife crying and so on. You know, she'd been telling him not to not to get involved because he was he he had been in the army, hadn't he? I I, I assume. I really don't know. There are photos on the wall, aren't there? When, mm, don't, yeah, don't yeah. know which which war we're talking about here, but there are photos. Are we talking about? First World War would be too soon before, wouldn't it? I, I wonder. I wonder. It, it would, yeah, because he's very firmly middle aged. So, yeah, I, yeah. D- I don't know whether it would have been um, Russo Japanese War or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. but that's probably going to come up again as well because we one of the characters we haven't mentioned who's really quite a minor one, but in amongst Abdullah's bandit cohort he actually has he has a russian character helping him out as well yes and he's dressed in army garb um i'm i'm not i I don't know enough about uniforms to say whether it's obvious that he's he's a member of the white guard or not he's wearing a different uniform from the from the red army guy who's wearing a sort of white white uniform isn't he whereas the whereas the uh, this white guard guy is not wearing white he's wearing sort of green um dark green Yes, and I I may be imagining this and misremembering it, but I feel like he had white gloves on, which you know, together with the way he carries himself, gives him this sort of uh, mm-hmm. quite um, dandyish kind of air about him, which again one tends to associate mm-hmm. with the with the with the white army. But 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 he's he's also carrying 
a katana, right? Which is a Japanese sword, which I, I had to look up what one of those yeah. was. Uh, but uh, it's a Japanese sword, right? And or a dagger or something like that. And just just before we we came back on air, we we were we were discussing it, uh, what this might be and uh, looking it up. It turns out that. They'd clearly thought carefully about how they were characterizing this guy. It was somebody who'd been um, in the White Guard, perhaps in Japan, and, and had come back, come back this way, and got involved in these uh, bandits. And um, of course, the White Guard. And again, I'm not a not a huge expert on this period of history, but these were the uh, rather a mixed bunch, as I understand, of anti anti revolutionaries. So people who didn't want the revolution to happen, didn't like the communists, yeah. um, for for varying reasons, and uh, they were involved in Abd- Abdullah's gang. Yeah, but the Japanese were one of the outside powers. It turns out who were lending assistance to to the whites. Um, because they really would prefer it if the communists didn't win the Russian Civil War. So well, yes. that's sort of how he possibly how he'd come by this uh, this particular weapon. But yeah, he was he was a character who made it slightly more comfortable in terms of the like ethnic slash racial element in that the villains aren't all you know Central Asians. <laughs> there's there's a Russian mixed in true. as well. True. And of, and of course, the fact that you've got uh, Saeed fighting on on Sukhov's side as well means that it's not just you know us nice Russians versus you know the nasty untrustworthy Central Asian folk. So that made that aspect slightly less uh, oh, uncomfortable. Yes. yes. Any other moments uh, worth bringing up? Oh yes. Um. Of course. Uh, the uh, he he starts talking to the harem and. Uh, Telling them that well, bigamy is, is is no longer going to happen. Each of you is going to have their own husband, and they 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 discuss well how how can a man just have one wife when we've got lots of wives? One of us looks after the baby, one of us does the cleaning, one of us does cooking, one mends the clothes. How do you manage with just one? Does she do it all? And 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 he says, well, yeah, she does it all. And then he starts daydreaming again, and um, there's his wife, but there are eight other wives doing all of the jobs and uh he imagines it my impression was that he he imagined it but he didn't he didn't really start thinking yes i want that yeah uh, it, uh, m- my impression was the way it was framed was that he still loves his wife he doesn't he, he's he's not particularly tempted by by these uh women or even the idea of the idea of all of these uh, of, of having eight wives or something like that i think i think he it's it's framed in a way that he still loves his wife. What what, what, do, you, what do you think? Yeah, that's that scene is is definitely um, is kind of played for laughs. But it I I think it plays like oh maybe that would be nice, but nah I guess. But yeah, it's 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 not you know I can imagine if this were a Carry On film um, or something like that. Not that I've seen a ton of Carry On films, but it would be kind of like whoa hey what how how great is this? But it doesn't <laughs> really come off that way but yeah i mean I, he, the, the first time he walks in on them um they have their burkas off and uh of course he walks in and, and they're so embarrassed by having a, a strange man see their faces yeah. that they raise their skirts above their heads and he sees he sees their naked uh navels yeah sort of acre, acres of of midriff there yeah. which my wife was uh didn't particularly want to watch the film but was sitting next to me on the sofa and was just kind of occasionally glancing over and she just said that's the dumbest thing ever um, <laughs> Well, it was it, it was pretty stupid, yes, but but there's no uh, Sukhov uh, never 
he's always doing his duty. He he never he never start he never starts to uh, hit on, for want of a better word, the, the, these women. He's 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 unlike Petrucha, who falls in love with with Gulchatai, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, but again, that's very innocent. He's very young. So, um, th- this this is. Uh, one of the phrases that comes up uh, is it is actually quite famous. My partner Karina mentioned that this this was the phrase she brought up straight away when I mentioned I was going to be watching this film, which was "gulchatai at lichika That's right, "gulchatai at lichika which is "gulchatai, show me your beautiful face." Um, show me your sweet face. Yeah, it's sort of a little Russian diminutive for face there. Yes, so yes. And uh, it comes up several times. Firstly, when he's he's trying to chat her up or whatever at the beginning, uh, he says he wants to marry her. Um, and then later, of course, later uh, Abdullah has disguised himself as, as uh, under the burqa, and it's uh, and and Petrucha comes up with this phrase again. And uh, of course, it turns out that the face underneath is not Gilchatai's after all, but Abdullah's. A um, c- couple of other. There's one. One scene, another scene I found very funny. There, this white guard fellow is trying to steal grenades from the um, customs guy from his house, I suppose, his cabin. And he goes in, and he, I think he even tries to say, "You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an officer. You need to do what I say." But of course, well, it's not not certain who who's in charge anymore. But so he ignores it, and then they cut outside. The door explodes in a shower of splinters, and this guy is propelled out of the room and uh, down the stairs. And he comes out with this very funny phrase, which was, uh, uh, which is, uh, yeah, his, his grenades aren't the right caliber. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so, so having been kicked out, he, he, he gives this stupid excuse of why he hasn't got the grenades, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is, you know, they're, they're not the right sort. Sorry. you know, but, uh, uh, that's, that's very, very funny when that happens. Um, I think this, this seems to be one of the, uh, one of the phrases that some people pick up on because it's a uh, just a really stupid excuse, um, and and everyone knows it's not true, but somebody's trying to trying to save face, yes, and give give, give this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and as we've seen with that character, he's he's a very vain man, so he's just the sort of person who would be coming up with a really dumb excuse to get himself off the hook. And there is one other phrase which um, this was the only one I'd heard before. And my first Russian teacher, this was back in Britain, she was Russian, of course, um, came out with this once. She didn't, she didn't say where it was from at the time. Vaprosiyest, vaprosovnyet. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's one person says it. Are there any questions? No, of course there are. Yeah. In quick succession, without giving the person a second to say, ah, actually, I do have a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, yeah, that's quite exactly. common yeah. for people to say, like at the end of meetings, if they really want to go. Um, mm-hmm. And don't want to be detained any further. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a uh, couple of others now. Of course, uh, thanks to Wikipedia, there's there's a whole list of phrases that apparently have have become famous. But tamoznya uh, dobro, so um, customs customs gives the green light. So um, this is this is when uh, the customs official. I can't even remember what he agrees to now, but but he, he agrees to do something. Oh no, has, has he not just been beaten up? Yeah, basically he's on the, he's on this little. Um little boat and it's been stormed by some of Abdullah's men and they temporarily get the upper hand and they they say yeah uh, customs gives the okay or yes as you say it gives the green light 
because he's kind of temporarily surrendered. Yeah. And uh, and apparently this is used when anybody ever ever gives sort of reluctant approval. Uh, yes. And, and you, you you say that well they they've said it's fine, but of course they've only said it's fine because they had to, and not because they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's this one. They claim this is. Put, I haven't heard. Uh, Karina said she'd heard about this one, but I, I hadn't heard this. Vostok Dilatonka. Oh yes. The Orient is a delicate matter. Yeah, a subtle thing. Yeah. And people use it apparently not to talk about. Asia or anything like that, they just say, you know, this is a delicate matter, and and, and they they say it like this. Um, I I assume it, Vostok would would you know, the Orient would give an idea of just otherness, any other something that works a different way, and you don't understand. Uh, but uh, again, it's not something I've I've heard myself outside of this. But but it it, uh, it certainly you know uh, stands out a little bit in the film when they when they mention it towards the beginning. Yeah, there were quite a few, pretty much all of those phrases actually that you've that you've mentioned. I was sort of vaguely aware of, and I thought, do you know what? I think there was a Michelle Birdie who writes for the Moscow Times and writes a language column. Oh, right. Yeah. And lo and behold, I have a book of collected columns, and there's there's a whole article uh, about about this movie, oh, really? and yeah, and so I was like, oh yes, it it was from that, and yes, uh, Vostok uh, Diela Tonka um, is is definitely. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, that's that's in the Moscow Times. Yeah, yeah. She she writes this column every week or every two weeks. Yeah, that that that's right. Yes, I I I haven't seen that exact one, but I have seen her columns for sure. Yeah, if I remember, I'll 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 try and find it and post a link to it. There was a song in it. Now I have to admit, the song's melody has not stuck in my mind, but but uh, it is a uh, the, the the refrain, the words from the refrain. I'm unlucky in death, but maybe I'm. Uh, I'll be lucky in love. This comes up throughout, and apparently this this was this this is a very influential, well, influential. I don't know, famous certainly, famous song. Um, I but I hadn't heard it before. I don't know if you'd heard it before. No, I hadn't. But um, in my little bit of preparatory reading that I did, um, I discovered that the uh, the lyrics of of the of the songs, although not the vocals themselves, as I understand it, were written by Bulat Okujava, who's one of these figures that they it's referred to as a bard and that's literally the the russian word is is bard or bardi and they were i guess the nearest equivalent we have is like folk singers um i'll tell you i'll tell you what bardovsky piesny remind me mm. of um they remind me of french chanson like jacques brel um i i don't know exactly chronologically where where russian bardovsky piesny fit but uh yeah it's funny because there's a Russian style of singing called chanson, which is different again. Yeah. But it, French chanson and uh, this bard, bardi, uh, I do find quite similar, really. They remind me of Jacques Brel a lot. Hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of like it's usually one guy with with an acoustic guitar and usually quite uh, melancholic lyrics, as uh, as you've <laughs> yeah, described. This definitely fits the, the bill of that. And I think he was... Famous in the, I want to say, 50s and 60s is when he sort of... Mm -hmm. I guess he can't have been fully underground because he, you know, otherwise he wouldn't have been contributing to this to this movie. But I think they were sort of... They weren't like official culture, but they weren't like suppressed either, and they were and they were very popular. Uh, but it's I'm really out of my my depth <laughs> on the subject of of Bardi, but I am sort of aware of them being like a very you know Russian slash Soviet cultural phenomenon, I guess. Because this this film, when I mentioned it to a few people at work, 
they said it's a they described it as a, a cult film it wasn't exactly a mainstream mm-hmm. film when it came out it was made by a an experimental film unit um partly by Len Film. I think they were using some of the facilities of Len Film, but it was mostly, you know, an experimental unit. It wasn't it wasn't very mainstream. Hmm. It wasn't even immediately released, as I understand it. It was only when uh, Brezhnev saw it that he said, oh, this is great, because Brezhnev liked real Westerns. Um, and he said it was so great that it got uh, it got a wider release. And uh, yeah, yeah, so it, it was quite... It was made as a kind of very small, really quite small-scale, well small release film or even no release film yeah which is which is interesting because i i thought the production values as far as i could tell were quite impressive i mean i i, I love the look of the thing like you know you get this the contrast with these brilliant blue skies and you know mm-hmm. uh, and the and the desert and then these very um austere looking central asian buildings it looked really cool that was probably mm-hmm. one of the one of my favorite things about the film actually well, well they, they kind of went to real locations perhaps is not 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 a fair way to describe it but they went to places which already had yeah. the look i think um I, I think a couple of a couple of the buildings were sort of sets uh, or you know mock ups made for the film i think the uh, the the custom official's house was was built yeah. for the film was just a sort of a mock up but when you see a when you see that huge uh, building i don't know what it was built as like a fortress or a or a temple i don't really know i mean a mosque or something at merv well that's because mm. it was there and they just were able to film it so yeah it, it was uh, maybe maybe that's how they managed to do it just using using what they could find real real places um not a not a tutney hate me production for certain sure yeah and and you know all soviet films because that's how everything worked. It would have been state funded. It just wouldn't have necessarily mm-hmm. been one that the state, you know, showered with resources. It must have been, you know, like a second mm-hmm. tier. Okay, yeah, here's some money. Go off and make a film, rather than like this is going to be the big hit for the masses type thing. Yeah, um, and it, it's a it's a short film, isn't it? It's only 80, 80 minutes long. Which, yeah, uh... yeah, I was quite surprised. I, I assume just because I tend to think. You know, it's characterized as being like an equivalent to a Western. Often those are, you know, two hours plus, you know, if you're talking good, bad and the ugly, it's the better part of three hours, if not more. So I was pleasantly surprised by the short running time, I have to say. Yeah, definitely, definitely didn't outstay its welcome. You know, no, no chance to get bored. There's quite a lot of action, of course, and just just uh, drollery along the way. It was really, yes, really quite uh, easy, easy to watch. Available for free on YouTube, of course. So if any of our listeners are uh, are interested in watching it, then uh, it won't won't be difficult and won't take very much time to do so. Yes, and and when there's there's no cost involved, it's kind of like that helps. It's not like mm-hmm. oh, I rec- recommended you a movie that you have to buy like on DVD for fifteen quid, and then it's rubbish, and you go, yeah, oh, what a waste of money. <laughs> with, with subtitles of course you can watch it you can watch it with english subtitles sure and, and, yes, uh, yes. Or, or indeed all sorts of all sorts of language subtitles yeah if you if you're so inclined yeah um but to bring it back round to your friends and colleagues view of the film they you say they mentioned that it was a cult film how did they feel about the film when you mentioned that you were going to watch it is it a favorite of theirs or ah oh, well karina uh, mentioned that she'd seen it um although she couldn't tell me very much about it. I don't think it was one of her one of her favourites. But I talked to my boss Olga at work, 
And she mentioned that she very much enjoyed it when she was a child. Uh, it wouldn't obviously it wouldn't have been a new wouldn't have been a new film then, um, but uh, it was on TV, I suppose. And uh, she thought it was very funny. She could quote bits to me, and it was just part of the the furniture, or whatever you like to say, part of the background uh, that everyone everyone knew it and everyone liked it. Yeah, from from what I've heard, it seems like it has a place in in Russian culture not dissimilar to something like the great escape or or the italian job in its in in that it's not necessarily something that everyone of our generation has seen all the, all the way through but you've probably caught like 5 or 10 minutes on tv at some point and minimum have heard the famous lines um so i don't know whether that's a that's a fair analogy and hopefully uh, you know some of our Russian listeners will uh, will uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, that's sort of the impression that I that I've got from what I've heard about it. Yeah, it it seems to be. I, I did mention it. Um, I think I mentioned it to my some of my teen students, and they they weren't familiar with it. Mm. I don't think. Oh no, one of them one of them said they had heard of it, but they hadn't watched it, and that I think their mum and dad had watched it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a uh, it's it's from a different time. Yeah, it's nearly a fifty year old movie at this point. Yeah, sixty nine. Is that right? Is that when it was made? Yes, sixty nine. I think released in seventy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know how much traction it would have with or traction, if that's the word. How how much uh, knowledge uh, younger people would have of it right now? I, I noticed that. Um, again, thanks to Wikipedia, the uh, customs official guy has become a kind of a a symbol of customs officials in general, and apparently there's. Across Russia and, and uh, Ukraine, there are places where his statue stands, um, really, uh, because uh, cust- customs officials you know, celebrate him. Shall we say? Although I, I don't think it was a particularly positive uh, portrayal of a customs official somehow. But uh, there we are. Um, yeah, certainly mixed because he's you know there's no doubting his bravery. But yes, he is a bit of a washed up uh, alcoholic at this yes. point. But for reasons that we understand, as we've we've, we've been into. Um, before watching the film, we mentioned I, I mentioned in passing "Carry On Up the Kyber," and I, obviously oh, yes. I only mentioned it rather jokingly, but it was it was strange that there were elements of this film that really actually did remind me of it. That was from 1968, so a very similar time. Mm. And I I was thinking about how we might, with a a modern Western eye, look at the kind of portrayal of uh, different races in the film. One big thing is that, of course, there are Turkmen people in this film who are mostly played by people who are not from Turkmenistan. So Abdullah is a Georgian guy. The wives are mostly Russian, as far as I could tell. Um, and in fact, when they're wearing their masks, they're played by all sorts of different people, as I understand. There's four or five people, uh, th- <laughs> right. three or four people, some of them men, uh, playing, playing mm. some of the wives. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and I was sort of thinking, well, it's no, no reason to look down necessarily on, on Soviet cinema for this, because of course, uh, carrying up the Kyber for the same time, you've got Kenneth Williams, uh, wearing boot polish, dressed as a, 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 a is, what is he, a, is he a Kashmiri prince? I can't remember now. S- certainly, for, certainly supposedly South Asian person, but of course played by a, a white guy uh, in a turban, and uh, the Berner Breslau dressed as a Gurkha and, and that that kind of thing. Um, uh, the Said is played, as I understand it, by a Russian in this. Obviously, sympathetic characters. Oh, okay. I hadn't I hadn't realised that. Uh, as far, as far as I know, and 
I wouldn't say in themselves they are particularly racist portrayals. I mean, Abdullah's the bad guy, but he's not grotesque, shall we say, some kind of uh, racist grotesque. But of course, uh, you're still you're still left with the the Russians, definitely the good guys, that the Soviets uh, the Soviets sorting out the uh, wild Asian characters in the film, and you've got the sympathetic characters like the wives, but and Said himself, but but uh, they are. They definitely need the kind of paternalistic uh, hand of the Russians to uh, sort them out and to modernise them, shall we say. And in that, it reminded me very much of the book by Kipling called Kim. Probably, to be honest, one of my favourite books. A very exciting story, I found. Very vividly painted view of what British India would be like. But, of course, again, um, even though in, in Kim you've got white people who are portrayed as racist, that's to say they're not good by dropping, you know, racial epithets and that kind of thing and uh, and uh, generally looked down on by the by the author, still very much pro-Empire. You've got the, the good British guys keeping every, everybody in check, running things, and everybody's happy to be run by the uh, the British people there. And I was reminded of both of these things when I was watching watching the film. the The portrayal of the harem was quite, I would say, caric- caricatured. You know, all of these little ladies sort of tottering around, and and uh, uh, that was that was played for comedy, I would say. And that that reminded me very much of the of the Kipling film. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, no, uh, of the of the Carry On film, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, yeah caricature is is totally fair, and they're the only female characters. In the movie, with the exception of of uh, Sukhov's wife, who we only see in his imagination. Yes, and who never speaks, of course. And never speaks. And also... Custom official's wife. Cus- yes, Vereshagin's wife. What's, what's her name? Nastasia, I think her name is, isn't it? Nastasia. Yes, yes. So, um, so we do... We, we have named female characters, but they don't really have very much you know, developed personalities. I mean, Gulchatai is the only one of the wives, really, although there is, you do briefly hear from the former favourite wife, but they kind of don't really go anywhere with that story. And then, as we, as as I say, Vereshagin, the custom official's wife, we hear a little bit from her, but she's mainly there to kind of scream, no, uh, <laughs> and sort of, don't do that, it's dangerous, you'll die, and then, you know... Well, that's true, yeah, she is quite a micro. To be honest, I found her, I, I found... I think, I, as I mentioned before, I, I found her role in it, I found it, although it was small, I found it quite well drawn hmm. um, in a way that perhaps the wives were, were not, that the, the, the harem were not. But but yes, so this this kind of uh, imperialist view. I mean, in this case, Russian. But but uh, but I was I was thinking very similar to the kind of English or British uh, imperialist view that that might have existed. Well, goodness knows, up until the fifties, at least. <laughs> uh, arguably, in certain in certain pockets up to the present day, but uh, well, yes, yeah, yes. So let's probably not get, get too deep uh, down into that. And yeah, you could say with with Said, there's kind of elements of the you know the so-called noble savage trait with him. He's kind of he's very laconic, and the um, the kind of sort of debt of honor for saving Sukhov is is an important motivator for him and also he has the the sort of the avenging his honor type thing is and you could definitely have those being motivations for 
for a white character, but they just feel very like stereotypical to me anyway. Yes. And I also mentioned Kafkaska Klinitz, actually, which of course that contains caricatures. Mm. But um, I didn't walk away from that thinking, well, that was all about how the Russians ought to be in charge. It was just about somewhat caricatured view of, of of what it's like what it's like in the Caucasus um I, I didn't there didn't seem to be a message behind that you know an imperialist message whereas I, I felt that with this film there there definitely was that 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 kind of message in the end you need you need this uh Russian soldier to sort everything out yeah and that's and, that, and that's where he's going that's what he's going to do next probably in, in, in the next adventure that he's going off on at the end yeah um I'm kind of shoehorning this in, but and maybe this is a, a pretentious comparison, but I felt like there was a there was a slight kind of um, like Odysseus like quality to Sukhov in that he's he's wily and he's clever, but also he's sort of permanently on his way back from this war, and he's you know it may be a long time before he gets home. And also, he's not particularly good to be around. I mean, he's very competent, but you notice that everyone who's alongside him is is sort of dropping like flies. Um, yes, yes. So, yes, excuse that bit of pretension, but that that did occur to me um, when we were wrapping it up. Um, yes, I think I think Odysseus is one of those classic hero stories, isn't it? But uh, that that the final bit of a hero story is the reintegration, isn't it, In, into their into their normal lives again? And we this this guy never gets that. Although who knows who knows what's what's next for him? But uh, yeah, I did read that Sukhov was actually a a character who was in in quite a few books. So it'd be interesting oh, right. to kind of investigate that and see whether the he ever does. Uh, he ever does make it home, but um, yeah. I, I was reading a tiny bit about the production, and uh, it turned out that, that nobody wanted to direct it. Nobody thought they could direct it, and they were even talking about, well, you could, if it's a Western, you can only get Americans to be in a Western. No Russian could do it. And hmm. and, and this, this guy who played Sukhov, uh, uh, Anatoly Kuznetsov is his name, Kuznetsov, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was a not the first choice to play him. Somebody else was going to play him, and then, and then uh, he got into a brawl. Or something like this. It sounds like the story of this film is that oh, everything you don't see off camera. They were they were getting drunk all the time and beating each other up. Wow. Um, and and uh, so yeah. And and the first guy who was playing because uh, who was playing uh, Sulkov got taken off the film for for that reason apparently. And uh, yeah. Uh, so all sorts of uh, stuff going on. The, the guy playing very Shagin had had his legs amputated or his feet at least amputated. And and uh, you you can't see it in the film, but apparently he's re- he's wearing. Uh, prosthetic legs and that kind of thing there's all sorts of little bits of nuggets of factoids of of trivia here but yeah it sounds like it a lot was going on behind the scenes that we that we would never know from uh, from watching the film yeah that that definitely surprises me because it doesn't come across you know as not a well put together film you know um yeah, quite a somewhat complicated film with all the action scenes and things sure. I would have thought yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and the lo- and the location work, you know, it doesn't. It's not. It's not simple to do, is it? No. Um, how did you enjoy the the action elements of it? Um, I can't say they were my favourite parts. My favourite parts were the were the juxtaposition. If again, pretentious words. Okay, juxtaposition of uh, of uh, the quiet, calm commentary that Sukhov's providing, and the stuff that's happening around him. Um, just the tone of it, the ironic tone. I thought was I, I really enjoyed, but the uh, the action scenes I felt that when they started happening, I just kept thinking to myself, well, when 
when's this going to be over and we can get on with the uh, get on with the the real matter at hand, which is the wry comments. I can imagine some people might find them more exciting. Hmm. I I felt that they were they were kind of surprisingly lacking in intention, despite you know when you describe them, it sounds like you know it's a siege that would be quite tense. But I I guess just i guess it's it's hard to pin down exact directorial choices but maybe it just i wasn't that involved with the characters perhaps that's that's part of it because a lot of them were quite flimsy and e- and even mm. sukhov is very charismatic but there's maybe i figured he was going to make it through so i wasn't too worried for him so i i guess that contributed but i i did notice though that um that there was uh, there was some distinct uh kind of clint eastwood's ing if you can use clint eastwood as a verb going on there were there were three characters who would definitely give the man with no name uh, a run for his money or or maybe it should be a run for his fistful of dollars because yeah yeah i'm afraid you'll have to explain to me what 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 you're referring to because i i to my shame i don't think i've ever seen a clint eastwood film (laughs) oh well it's the um it's the trio of films, A Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and then um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Right. And he just does this sort of implausible managing to shoot four or five guys dead with single shots each, despite the fact that he's, you know, clearly surrounded and, you know, at least one of them should should land a hit on them. And there's <laughs> the uh, uh, Vereshagin, uh, Sukhov, and, uh, and Saeed all, all managed fairly similar similar feats at one point or another and you kind of think well one of those guys being that good a shot it's rather stretching uh plausibility but all three is uh it's kind of ridiculous but they were cool moments i thought even if kind of uh yes yes i can see what you mean yes and the, the siege I, I mean i like the idea of it I, I, sulkov's got this uh machine gun hasn't he that he that he uh that he acquired early on in the film and uh, he's on top of the the oil tank, isn't he? Uh, shooting at people, and then there's that bit where he leaps. He leaps down from the back of the oil tank, and they all think he's still there, but he's not. He's 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 down at the back, and he and he's and he's attacking people from there. Um, uh, that that I remember that was somewhat exciting. But I have to say, I, I didn't I didn't find the action scenes. They weren't they weren't the things that, even though perhaps they were the things that took all the effort to do in the film. I I, I found that the uh, the thing that I was enjoying was the the ironic tone although although as i said when when people started dying for real I, I found that i was uneasy i didn't i didn't didn't know whether i whether i was enjoying it as much then and i'm not sure if it was the effect they were aiming for with the film or it was just me not well it, the film kind of lo- losing me a little bit when it when it started happening some of the uh, some of the the people dying yeah i i don't know i felt like it was intentionally melancholic but maybe that's just me leaning too heavily on you know my stereotypes of you know how russians like to tell their stories uh, <laughs> it's not a real story unless most people die um right <laughs> unless it's you know a straight comedy which this is this is definitely a comedy inflected action i guess you would call it yeah I- i'm curious as to whether whether many real westerns have that kind of comedic ironic tone like i said i'm i'm not a not a somebody who's who's watched westerns at all really but uh, do, do they have this kind of ironic tone to them, or, or is this something that this film added? Do you think? I yeah. Similarly, I haven't seen I haven't seen a ton, and it's a long time since I've seen the Clint Eastwood Man with No ne- Name films. And there's not 
at least if memory serves, there's there's not as many like obviously funny lines. It's more kind of like wry or you know deadpan phrases. It's, I mean, I'm not saying they're they're films without humor, but I felt like the humor was like a more you know maybe not even front and center, but like a considerable part of the mix. But mm-hmm. there's 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 certainly like a I guess like a deadpan you know atmosphere or you mm-hmm. know style that, that that carries across. Like I think one of my favorite moments was uh, was Sukhov, uh lighting. Um, I think it was a cigarette, but it might have been a, a cigar with a lit stick of dynamite that's just been thrown to him. I just <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, and then he throws it. Doesn't he throw? He, he throws it away after that, doesn't he? Yes, doesn't he? yes just yes, in yes. just in time. But it's a very kind of like. This is how cool uh, as a cucumber I am. You know, I know just how long this is. This is going to uh, going to burn, so I can do this and then throw it away and not get hurt. It's it's yes. it's, it's stupid, <laughs> but it's but, but it's but it's very it's very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we've kind of covered this film. You know, probably in as much detail as we can without you know totally negating any point in in actually watching a thing but would you would you recommend this to uh i guess people who don't have a particular interest in russia or russian cultural stuff do you think there's enough kind of going on that that you would recommend it i i think people would enjoy it um it it's short as as i said it, it the pace is relatively quick and it's funny and i think I don't think you'd have to know Russian to find it funny, to be honest. Um, if you were, if you were, the subtitles don't don't lose too much when when it's there. I think just having a tiny bit of the historical background, which, as I say, I, I knew very little about it, but I just did a tiny bit of reading to find out what 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 was going on, what it what the setting was supposed to be, um, would help. Yeah, because that's definitely the setting is is much more implicit than explicit yes they they don't if if this was a if this was a modern hollywood film there would be a prologue where they told you exactly what was going on right uh, like at the beginning of les miserables or something like that where there's just a, a a title card where where yeah. <laughs> which tells you the historical context but they just assumed everybody knew it right in, yeah. in this case i think it's worth a watch really I, I i did enjoy it i'm glad i'm glad i watched it notwithstanding some of the some of the comments i've made perhaps but uh, the um it's one of the most popular Russian films ever, uh, certainly Soviet films. Uh, well, I say yeah, Russian films because I, I couldn't think of a, a Russian, a, a non-Soviet Russian film uh, that uh, was more popular. Really, very popular, very sort of uh, uh, part of the culture. But but something that I think you could enjoy. It's not a it's not a super high art film the way you know the way uh, something by tarkovsky might be which has obviously has a worldwide audience who are not necessarily especially interested in russia but uh, it's it's not it's not that kind of film but to be honest i find these films which possibly reflect popular tastes more i find them even more interesting somehow uh, soviet films in this case yeah sure because it, although as we've discussed it wasn't necessarily anticipated that it was going to be a big hit you know the people involved thought this is you know this is going to be a hopefully be a crowd pleaser um mm-hmm. yeah because they you know not a ton of super artistic films were made at least as i understand it or, or at least they were very hard to get made in the soviet union because i <laughs> maybe i'm 
to, you know, I could be totally wrong and I may need complete correction here, but my understanding was that stuff that was entertaining tended to be more favoured by the, the people doing the funding. Yeah, I think Tarkovsky was finding money very difficult to get. But then this film also, because it had cult origins, I suppose, even though it yeah. became so popular, I think this was also difficult to get the money for. Um, I think it was made not... I, I pro- I, Really ought not to say things like this without checking it. I think it was made not long after the, the, the epic War and Peace adaptation that won an Oscar. I think I think that's right. Yes, but obviously, yeah, that was mid to late 60s as well, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. an ultra, you know, an ultra high budget thing, you know, uh, the kind of, you know, huge prestige project, um, mm. obviously with a very famous source. Uh, yes, I, I think you're right. There, there were quite a lot of, you know, po- popular films made that were that were easier to fund, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um before we go then, Ed, um is there anything that you would like to direct listeners towards? Yes, well, I I do post on Twitter from time to time, um at Edward Russia, and very occasionally I make some little funny songs with funny videos perhaps. Um there's nothing very Russian about most of them, and uh you can find that on the YouTube channel uh with the a name that seemed like a good idea at the time, but uh, as the years go by, seems less so. Giant Squid Rule. Uh, I can't even explain why it's why it's that. There's no special reason. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, that's the channel on YouTube, and you can see a few funny, funny songs with funny videos. Uh, and uh, uh, that's my little little project that comes up every every few months, perhaps. All right. Well, thank you very much for for being a fantastic guest, Ed. And yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the chance. And thank you very much for introducing me to this film. Yeah. And, and thanks for, for watching it with me as well, because it's, it's definitely one I've wanted to tick off the list for quite some time. And I'm, yeah, I'm really glad I did. All right. Das Vidania, folks. Das Vidania. So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the Highly Skilled Migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media... Please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.